When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're talking all things Ram Truck, and the Utes get ready to take on the Golden Bears of Cal. We'll have some special guests from the California Golden Bearcast to get their insight and knowledge on Cal. And I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Nation. Welcome to John Hayes Era 2.0. <laughs> and we got Scott. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> John Hayes. I know Winningham was asked about that in his Monday presser. I mean, who had that on their bingo card? Really? <laughs> hey, I think I would take the John Hayes offense over what we're seeing. Uh, I'm I'm willing to give Luke Batari a chance, guys. Hey, with what we saw at the end of the Oregon State game with Nate Johnson kind of hobbling around out there and Bryson Barnes in the hospital and who knows about Brandon Rose and his liver, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. No. No, we we've got some uh, new news today. It it sounds like it is going to be the Brandon Rose show if Nate can't go. With, He's with just six weeks behind schedule. Oh yeah, but yeah. you know what? That's so is Nate Johnson. <laughs> I think Nate's like eight. <laughs> no, hey, you know what? I, I say, I say, look, give Rose a chance, even though he probably hasn't. Uh, he's probably really rusty. Give him a chance. Can't it really can't get any worse? Oh, it can't get any worse than that. I mean, we already are. We already are one of the worst offenses in the country, and the worst in the Pac-12. So you know, it's only up from here, baby. Hey, nineteen points a game. How bad can it get? Well, after two weeks of seven points, it could get worse, Cam. <laughs> 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 All right. Hey, I I've been dying to talk about this. This past week, NIL Utah is getting 85 Ram trucks that are leases. No can you. They're leased. They're leased. <laughs> I've got BYU fans knocking on my door, yelling in my windows. It's just a lease. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's a lease. I would take a leased brand new truck for six months the, the, or one month. I would take it for a week. Lease, it, it negates it. It almost erases the truck because it's just a lease. And they're, they're, they might as well drive all around in a Flintstone car since it's a lease. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started on that weird fan base. Hey, it's, it's freaking awesome, though. I mean, not only is that great for the players to get this NIL coming at them with these new trucks, but the fact that it's on game day, 
It's been on all the major shows on ESPN, Fox. That's a recruiting advantage. That's just free pub that Utah's gotten. For as bad as their offense is right now, they're getting some free pub, and I'll take it for recruiting. Yeah, you can't. I mean, first first school in the country, and it won't be long now until other schools follow suit, but that that's a huge – I mean, that's huge in today's NIL world. No, I mean, it's 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 groundbreaking. I mean, especially for, for – us to kind of be at the at the at the lead on this from a standpoint i i really liked what kyle whittingham said is this is not necessary to go out and you know be flashy with new recruits this is to keep what we have and i know brant keithy has said that for a couple of years now hey let's let's take care of the guys that are in the program let's keep people here so i think that's huge from you know losing guys in the transfer portal um and and to, to that point, you're going to have to continue to adapt and 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 adjust things because everybody else is going to be piling on doing the same type of thing. But at the end of the day, it's huge. It's huge from a from a national standpoint because guess what? On Twitter, everybody was talking about us for the, for the next three days. It was all over the place. It was on game day. It was on Fox. I mean, it's it's absolutely huge. Just notoriety. And it just sends a message, hey, Utah's playing the game. Utah's out in front. Um, you know, school president, uh, um, President Randall says, hey, we're not going to be left behind. And this just is another another um, kind of feather in the cap to say we're, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Except for, except for the Big 12, which sucks. But that's, that's another podcast. <laughs> But I mean, you talk about keeping guys in the program, and for sure it does that. But you know, I mean, this this offensive, the offensive woes we've been experiencing definitely aren't helping recruiting. But you throw that out there, and those guys that have already recruited, that's just something else to to keep them in the fold. Well, and and there's some, there's going to be some kids out there. They're going to be like, hey, you know what? I know we suck offensively, but I want to ram. So let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I my my biggest goal is that a lot of uh, wide receiver prospects really like trucks, because <laughs> boy oh boy, do we have some needs, boys. I think the thing I I, I really love. I know I mentioned how great it is for recruiting. Uh, and as you mentioned, Scott, you know, recruiting the kids in the program, right? Because that's now the new phase with the transfer portal is not only do you got to recruit before they get in the program, now you got to continue to recruit while they're in the program. But the thing I love about this is a team like Utah, right, there's not a ton of NIL money out there uh, individually, and it's going to go to kind of the stars of the team, right? Like we all know Cam Rising is the number one NIL guy on the team, and it's probably a big step to number two and number three. And the fact that every single scholarship player got this and maybe, you know, the, the positions that don't get a lot of recognition, like an offensive lineman. Having something like this is huge to those guys that really don't have those opportunities like a Cam Rising. But, but Cam, have you thought about the walk-ons? Think of the, think of the walk-ons. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> Let me put it that There's way. There's scooters on campus. <laughs> 
Is is it a coincidence that as soon as one of our players breaks his face on a scooter, <laughs> everybody gets a Dodge Ram? <laughs> I think not. Yeah, maybe they should have brought those Rams out a couple weeks earlier. No, I mean it's it's sweet, and uh, I mean, but 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 the thing the thing that I love is Utah really is investing in this. The Utah Collective guys that they brought in to kind of run this and, and further develop it really, I mean, you know, their message is, Hey, this is just the beginning. Right. And so in today's world, you got to keep adapting because yeah, next season, everybody's going to be getting trucks all over the country or cars or Tesla's or whatever. But if, if you can roll out something um, beyond that, right. And you can continue to, to, uh, to adapt. I mean, that's going to be huge. And, and I mean, I'll throw some built bars in for the walk-ons so they can feel special, like BYU. And, and uh, I mean, that's the least that's the least we can do. I mean, I, I think I've got some some granola bars in my pantry, um, food storage. Let's throw it all in there. Uh, at, at the end of the day, it may be a lease, but it's better than waiting on protein bar payments that have yet to be made. Well, can't argue with that, Cam. You know, but ha- but have you tried the the puff Oreos <laughs> or the the Cougar Tails? Mm, yeah, those are just as bad as they sound. And if I was if if I was a scholarship football player and was given a truck to drive while going to school there, I think I'd slow down and like get on the seven year plan to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> Cam's about there. That, that's that's just a good transition right there. Let's start talking about Cam. Let's talk about because Cam. it was kind of it was a big week in the in the Cam Rising knee saga. So if you missed it this past week, uh, Cam Rising on his uh, conversations with Cam with Bill Riley on Seven Hundred, it came out and said exactly what his injury is. He tore everything in his knee, ACL, MCL, every ligament. And, you know, when he was talking about it, it kind of sounded like he maybe was a little frustrated and kind of fed up with maybe things that are being said on social media about him not playing and and warming up and then not going. But I think my anger with that is it all comes back to the coaching staff and not being completely honest with his situation. The fact that they were running out saying that they were he was hopeful for, for Florida when we know there's no way that was ever possible. I think that's why the fans have been somewhat frustrated and it circles back to with how Winningham handles injuries. Well, I mean this this is kind of a sticky situation because you're either you're either saying Whittingham knowingly misled the team, misled the fan base, and kind of potentially sabotaged the season by not going out and addressing uh, the quarterback position in the portal. Um, if you're either saying that or you're saying he legitimately maybe wasn't fully in the know, or um, or maybe he was just a little too ambitious. But I I have a hard time thinking that he he did the latter. I just I don't think that he would would have put the program at risk. That he would have 
uh, neglected all of these things just for gamesmanship or to keep the fan base animated or preseason rankings or anything like that. I, I just I just don't see it. That doesn't make any sense. He's never run the he's never run the program in any way of that nature. That's just not him, you know. And so ultimately, I just think he was probably a little too ambitious, or maybe didn't have the full information, um, whether that was from cameraizing himself or from the doctors on ultimately how long this this sucker was going to take. But um, I don't know. I, I, I that's it. That's kind of where I'm leaning, and it seems like people are all over the board on this. I think. But- if you go clear back to right after the Rose Bowl, when they pretty much said he was, you know, tore, tore, I think they came out and said he tore his ACL. Whittingham was, I think his words were, we're hopeful he'll be back for the first game of the season. And that was the line he used the entire off season through spring and going into fall. So, yeah, I mean, it is one of two things. Either he's misleading people or he just doesn't fully know what was going on. But, but so, so let's, let's kind of break that down a little further because if, if he legitimately knew in his mind, cam's not an option or cam's not an option till mid October, um, you know, at the earliest, don't you think he would have gone out and addressed the quarterback position or, if he doesn't do that, he obviously was confident enough in Rose and Nate Johnson and I guess Barnes to not address it with another quarterback. Because honestly, yes, you're not going to go out and get some big time quarterback. But you, if, if you had the message, hey, Cam's probably not going to play this year or he's not playing till mid-October, you could go get a, a fifth-year transfer. That that would have been doable. So did so did Kyle have enough confidence in Brandon Rose and Johnson Barnes? What do you think? If he did, I don't know. Based on what we've seen, it's hard to believe that he had confidence. I mean, we don't we haven't seen Rose other than what he did in the spring game, and he looked good there. But so did Charlie Brewer. Uh, yeah, and, and Winningham mentioned that, you know, they didn't look at the portal for a quarterback. I don't know if I entirely believe that. I do th- I do agree that it was a tough sale uh, to, to try it to get maybe an established sell. guy to come in knowing that Rising is right there looking over your shoulder. I don't know how much I believe that they didn't even take a look in the transfer portal this offseason. I think you have well, and, to. And, and let's not. Let's not forget the last two uh, portal quarterbacks that got did not work out. Um, there was no success there. And so Kyle may have just said, look, I'm not going to go waste our time um, or waste a roster spot on a fifth year guy who if you're transferring in your fifth year, you're probably not all that great anyways. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day. Cam Rising making a lot of money. He's making a lot of money this year and hasn't played. So I just I just I don't know. Do you think Kyle's protecting him? Did he protect him to save his NIL money? I mean, that doesn't seem like Kyle either. 
Tal's not gonna lie. So hey, you can you can get a few extra hundred, or you can keep a half a million bucks, you know, off off some of these deals. I mean, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No, and and maybe at the end of the day, it's not so much. Kyle was lying, but I maybe he was just holding a lot to the vest, and it's really people on Twitter, people on message boards that are just kind of spewing out any little thing that they hear and other people take it and run with it. And maybe that's why it's kind of blown up to what it, what it has been over the last couple of weeks. That's probably why he came out and tried to clear the air a little bit. Um, and I don't blame him for that. The interesting thing is though, you know, the article that came out today basically said it's anywhere from 10 months to 12 months till, you know, a top athlete's ready to return to act to action. So if you, if, if you go the bare minimum on 10 months, you're talking the first weekend of November before he's just ready to go. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if we don't see cam until late October, I mean, I just don't, see, I don't, I don't know that I see the point. I mean, and I, I think part of that goes to, I mean, cam cams get a, if he wants to play and he gets cleared, I mean, I think he deserves it, and Wits could have given him the opportunity. But it almost kind of seems like a waste at that point. You know, I'd rather see Rose and or Johnson and just kind of get those guys as many reps going into next year and the move to the Big 12. I mean, if, if it is the last weekend of October, first weekend of November, there's a good chance we're not in the mix for anything than a no-name bowl game, possibly. If, if Cam does not come back... Do you think he applies for a medical redshirt and tries for one more year, or do you think he's he cuts bait and goes and gives the NFL a shot? Yeah, I think that's really interesting, something I have been thinking about during this this bye week. Because um, I said, if Cam doesn't play against Cal, he's not playing the rest of this year. Uh, that's just my own opinion. But I have been thinking about that. If he can apply for a redshirt, I think it kind of makes sense from a financial point of view because right now cam is not going to get drafted no he, there's no way he'll get drafted he'll get invited he'll, he'll to get invited to a camp because of who because of what he's done but well 100 percent. the odds yeah. of making a team are tough at that point and you look at a player like caleb williams and I, this is probably all smoke and mirrors on his part but apparently he came out this week and he said I'm making so much in NIL. I'm only going to go to the NFL for these, what, five teams. And if it's not these five teams, then I'm coming back and playing another year of college ball. And and to me, that's kind of, if Cam can make more money another year, making about a million dollars, a little over a million in NIL, I, I would, I would see him coming back. If, if you're surround yourself with the right people, about his potential pro career and they basically say yeah why not give it a try but the odds of making a team and having a career in the nfl are slim why not make your money as a collegiate athlete and then you've got that in the bank and figure it out at that point yeah but is the money gonna be there because you had a lot of people who had who ponied up for Cam, I mean, he's rumored to be making six uh, or uh, seven figures, and uh, if that's the case, that's a lot of money for zero plays. 
this year. I don't know that he's. I don't. I just don't know that he's going to get the same deal next year or anything even remotely close to it, based off of how this year's gone. Yeah, now I don't I know if he come if he goes through an entire off season and he comes in next year healthy. There'll be people out there that'll pay him. It's going to be interesting to see, but my and, prediction. Let, let, do you, do you guys think we see him this weekend? No. No. I honestly don't think we see him this year. I don't think yeah, he would have come out on the I don't think he would have come out on the radio and kind of cleared the air if he was if there was a chance he was coming back this week. No, and, and right. to your your point, Ryan, is is Utah really gonna be in the thick of making another championship run? I you think well, that's gotta weigh on his decision. And I just well, I don't see it. You, you lose it, Cal. You're officially done, right? Because you've got two losses and you've got a hard stretch coming up. So if, if you're losing to Oregon State and you're losing to Cal, you're not beating USC. You're not beating Washington. You're not beating Oregon, right? So I think that that plays a big factor. Um, if he's a, if he's a week or two away, then yeah, we may see him at USC, um, and then. And from there, you're going to see how the season or, you know, how that game goes could impact whether you see him beyond that. But, you know, at this point, it's just it's just a wild guess. I mean, I, I, I honestly I'm kind of more excited. I'm kind of done with the whole is he going to play or not play? I'm more excited to see if, if we if Rose gets to play um, at this point. No, I really want to see uh, Rose and what he can do in in some game action. Um, you know, I you know, I, I know I said that the money could be a driving force. Uh, for Cam, you know, one aspect me I didn't mention is if he comes back. Let's just say hypothetically, he does get a red shirt, medical red shirt. He comes back next year. Is he real? Is that him signaling that an NFL future is over? And do you think that could play a decision? I mean, I don't know if that means it's over. Um, I I think I think he'll get he'll get a camp invite, whether it's this next off season or the off season after that. Um, but I just think his, his chances at his age, his chances are probably not great, you know, but maybe he could be, maybe he could work himself into, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a third quarterback on a team, maybe get up into the backup role, you know, if, if he gets some opportunities kind of like Huntley's gotten right. So, um, you know, I don't think anything's out of, out of the question, but I think a a lot of that's going to determine on how he comes back, how healthy he is. Can he stay healthy? I mean, the dude's never had a healthy season. So um, if he comes back next year, who's to say he makes it through all next year healthy? I mean, he hasn't done it yet here at Utah. So um, he's got a lot of things working against him, which is unfortunate. But I mean, I think I think I take it if 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 he will, if he could get that medical waiver to come back next year. I think you fans would take it, and I think uh, I think he would. Oh, I, I would definitely welcome him back. You know, just looking at his age real quick. So he's 24 right now. He turns 25 in May. Uh, so if he comes back another year, he would go to the draft at 25. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not super old, but given most guys are established that, at that point, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's kind of you know our thoughts. Um, of where this team lies with Cam Rising, and, and you know, ultimately, it's his, it's his decision. It's it's his future. 
I've said this on the podcast before. I will never knock a kid for their decisions, what they want to do with, with, cause it's their career and whatever they want to do, you know, we got to support that. Uh, we are up against a break. When we come back. We'll talk to Rob and Andy from the California golden bear cast to get their perspective on the Cal bears. All right, Utah fans, super excited for these two guests jumping on. Rob and Andy from the California Golden Bearcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Not bad, not bad. A Monday night after a, a crushing defeat at home. Uh, hey, but we're Utah, surviving. Utah's, we're surviving. Right there. Utah's right there. We're just coming off a loss or over Oregon State as well. So that's going to be an interesting matchup, right? Both teams losing to Oregon State, kind of in, in different fashions, though. Um, but really want to hit you guys up on to, to start it off the the quarterback play for Cal. We've seen Jackson in there. We've seen Mendoza. Uh, I think Mendoza pretty much played the whole game, right? A quarterback against Oregon State. Where is this offense going? And do you guys have an idea of what Utah fans should should expect, whether it be Jackson or Mendoza? Um, I think uh, Wilcox said in his post presser or post game presser on Saturday night to basically assume that Mendoza is the starter going forward. Um, I don't think that there's going to be, I don't think this is gamesmanship um, like in weeks past. I think Mendoza uh, definitely deserves another chance at starting. Um, I believe PFF graded him for his quarterback rating to be the second best in the conference this week um, against probably the toughest defense we've faced on our schedule so far. So his, he's played well as just a sophomore coming in and uh, you know, your first start comes against a top 15 opponent on homecoming night in Berkeley. So the way he played despite the loss, I think was pretty outstanding. Um, There's things that he can definitely fix. Uh, There's some timing issues on his throws, particularly on mesh routes and crossing routes. Um, But outside of that, I think uh, Spav has something to work with there and um, we'll see how much he improves over the next week. I think just to add on top of that, for anyone that listens to the Golden Bearcast, you'll hear me talk. We've been talking about our quarterback situation, I think, since week one. And while I like what Fernando showed last week, I still think Ben Finley is is my pick Like if he's healthy. I just don't know if he's healthy. And the reason why I think Fernando looked really solid and I don't, I don't know. Ben Finley might not have the legs that Fernando has. And if that's the case, then that I definitely would lean towards going with Mendoza, but Fernando still looked young. Like he looked really young in that game. And I think when ultimately the game mattered most, I, I don't know, Rob, cause we're going to talk about this on our podcast here in a little bit. The first quarter to me was the quarter that was defined by a lack of taking advantage of opportunity, and it ended up impacting the end of the game. And then the end of the game, we essentially had an opportunity to actually take that win, and we didn't. And so it left a little bit more of a sour taste in my mouth, whereas I think from Rob's perspective and from a lot of the people that were at the game, I heard a lot of, oh, this is great. And so I think what you all are experiencing is a little bit of the different ways that we consume it. Me missing it and not being there in person versus Rob being there in person and how for, uh, Mendoza was ultimately perceived by those that were seeing seeing him live, which I actually think matters more 
But at the end of the day, for you all Utah fans that don't know much about this situation, I would say the important piece here is Mendoza is not a surprising name to anyone that's been around the program. Mendoza has been whispered as leapfrogging Kai Milner back when Kai was projected to be the quarterback of the future. And, uh, you know, throughout spring, it was Jackson and Mendoza and then us on the side freaking out about Jackson and Mendoza being our only two options. (laughs) And now Mendoza rising up and taking advantage of that. And Wilcox himself had said the prior week against Arizona State in that tight game that they actually had a game plan for Fernando to come into that game if the game script called for it and it just didn't. So for the Utah fan out there that's like, who the hell are these names and why do they matter to me? That would be my main takeaway is that it shouldn't be. It's not a surprise to the insider Cal fan that Mendoza has sort of taken advantage of this opportunity. Well, kind of, it kind of sounds similar to Utah, right? Because so you know, Nate Johnson was kind of the the hot next QB after Cam Rising, and you know, the Utah quarterback situation is a complete disaster at the moment. Nate Johnson, you know, you fans are losing their minds because he looks awful and whatnot, and we're just we're we're just bad. We're bad offensively. So I think we can sympathize with the young quarterback uh, um, aspect of things. But obviously, you know, something important to a young quarterback is having a good defense, right? And can kind of help them, keep them in games for whether it's through slow starts or whatnot. Under under Wilcox, I mean, that's something that Cal's just been great. They've been great defensively. Um, but, it, you know, looking at things, it's not – it doesn't seem like the same – Cal defense that uh, that we've kind of seen over years past kind of break that down and and why is that I actually think that all of that is accurate I think that this I don't know what happened Rob's preseason take was that this was going to be the best Wilcox defense that we had seen since 2018-2019 it's clearly not the case and I I don't want to overreact to what we've seen but I'll just say that looked like a Sonny Dykes defense out there last week. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's not a compliment. (laughs) It was never a compliment until all of a sudden TCU made the national championship game and was like, Oh, all right. (laughs) Maybe it was us. Yeah. But he came right back to reality. Yeah. I I think they all remember he was Sonny Dykes this year. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) I None of us could live with that narrative uh, as last season unfolded. Um, yeah, to go off Andy's point, I think uh, from my end, I, I still believe that this might be the most talented defense that Wilcox has had. Like you look at the, you know, the past defense has been a little it wonky, but you look at the run defense, it's probably the best he's ever had. The depth at every position is probably the best he's ever had. And so my only my only like way I interpret what I saw in fall camp and what my eyes tell me is that Pac-12 offenses and some of the offenses that we played this year have just gotten exponentially better. Like our defense might have improved, but I think everyone else's offense improved more than our defense improved. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're seeing now here. Like we're ranked, I think um, Bill Connolly's you know numbers have a sixty uh, somewhere in the sixties for offense. And somewhere in the 60s for defense as well, um, and so like you see, 
you see those numbers and you're like, wait a second, like it, it that means we're at least a slightly above average. Uh, but like it from the eye test, like getting blown out and giving up um, that many points to Washington. Granted, two of those touchdowns were on a on a punt return and on a pick six. But then the Oregon State game, like you give up that much. Um, just yeah, the numbers don't add up, but like it's weird because the eye test doesn't seem like that as well. Um, so yeah, I, I we don't know how to explain it. Well, the the, the good news is uh, Utah's averaging uh, just about 150 yards passing a game, so your defensive numbers may go up this week. <laughs> That's great to hear. That's absolutely <laughs> great to hear. Pad the stats, baby. Pad the stats. <laughs> We're all about advanced analytics here in Berkeley anyways. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, with the uh, you know, young quarterback play, it's pretty important to have solid a solid running game. And you guys are ranked second in the conference in rushing yards per game. What uh, is – can you talk a little bit about, is it a combination of good offensive line play or just outstanding running backs or a combination of both? Well, the first thing is we hired uh, Mike Blesh from North Texas this offseason. His titles um, when he moved over was offensive line and run game coordinator. And we thought maybe maybe that's just, you know, just to give him a little bit of a pay bump uh, with the extra title there. But honestly, I think he has really changed uh, the run game. The blocking schemes are aren't unique, but they're effective. Um, and North Texas had, a, I think, a top twenty um, percentage, I think, in terms of run stuff rate offensively. So the I think the percentage of runs that got stuffed was very, very low. Um, and you're kind of seeing that with our offense now. You see a lot of split zone. Um, you see a lot of runs between the tackles. And early on the season, we're like, why are we running between the tackles? We have speedy running backs. Why not use the edge? But as the season's progressed, that running between the tackles has gotten better and better. And that's probably where we make most of our first and second down yardage um, early on in games. And then to go off that second point, yeah, the running back stable after Jaden Knott has just, it's gotten so much better. Um, I don't think any of us expected uh, Isaiah Fonse to have the impact that he has had. Uh, but, you know, the, I think career all time leading rusher at Montana, you know, coming in and then showcasing that he has power five ability. And I think leads the team in touchdowns after last night. So yeah, it's just uh Aristotle Thompson's done an absolutely amazing job uh, recruiting guys in despite losing guys that he recruited. Um, and we upped our talent level there. Well, you guys, you guys have two two running backs averaging over five yards to carry, and the third one's at four point nine. I mean, that is that's pretty impressive in today's game. Yeah, I mean, I think you could even say that if Byron Caldwell was healthy, the tra- you know four star recruit that transferred from Oregon to Cal, that they this running running back room would just be one of the best we've ever had in a long, long time. Afonso looks like mini Marshawn out there. Can't be tackled. There's no chance you're getting him down on the first tackle. And good luck maybe on the second guy. He's usually going to take three or four guys to bring him down. It's, it's, it's he's not big. <laughs> so just one of those running backs that just seems to bounce off people in, in the best ways. I think all the way down to even Ashton Stradek, even though that fumble in the game last week 
pretty much cost us any shot of being staying competitive in the uh, in the game against Oregon State. Stradek's a really solid runner as well. He's a little bit bigger. I, I attribute a lot more of the success, I think, to Spav and what he's been able to do as well like with forcing the defense to key in on the quarterback as a runner as well. I think it, it just there's a lot more in the offense that we have now that you have to prepare for than it was a year ago under Musgrave. Under Musgrave, you could kind of understand what you were going to get. And it is weird when you say it out loud. And I heard the announcers say it. They're like, the air raid offense featuring one of the best rushing attacks in the conference. <laughs> like, they didn't. <laughs> They didn't know what to say. They're like, this is, you could just tell they were confused saying that out loud. And it's it's working quite well. And I'd imagine if we're going to start a redshirt freshman on the road, y'all are going to see us try to run the ball a lot. And ultimately, that will be our success on the grounds this Saturday will determine, I think, how competitive this game ultimately will be. Going back over to the defensive side of the ball. So Cal, it looks like they're giving up about 33 yards, or excuse me, 33 points a game. Whereas we mentioned Utah's only averaging 19 points for their offense. So really, I think kind of polar opposites right there, kind of give and take right there. But when you look at this Cal defense, who kind of stands out to you guys? And if there is there one or two players that you think Utah fans should be aware of and kind of the ones that really excel on that defensive side of the ball. Well, I'll start and then kick it over to you, Rob. I just want to say that if you look at those two, I don't know Cam Rising's status, by the way. So I don't know if you, if y'all know hey, it. Neither I, do we. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in the world in which he doesn't play and we get to live in this happy place where you all, I can tell are going through some very mixed emotions with your backup quarterback. Then I would personally expect that the Cal defense is going to is is going to win out between those two things. I really, with to Rob's point, I don't think this is a lack of talent. And a, the only area that I would highlight would be our defensive line, where you just don't really have a true. You know, we have Brett Johnson, who we love dearly, but uh, that's. We have Xavier Carlton, who was a Utah transfer, but it's really at the middle linebacker, like the line, the inside linebacker, Jackson Sermon, Caleb Elam's or like those are the two guys that you would hear the most or is unbelievable. He's quite young and uh, he's all over the place. And then our defensive backs should be incredible. Noel Williams, Lou Maggio Hearns, like there's going to be guys I leave off of this like Jeremiah Irby, like, and there's many others. That's the thing. You normally, if it was the Sonny Dykes defense, I'd be like, oh yeah, like you could throw out that guy and you could get a completion anytime, or you could run that direction and no one's going to stop you. The only place that I could look at on the Cal defense right now is say that our D line doesn't consistently get enough pressure to disrupt. DJ just was chilling last week. There was not a ton of pressure and I don't know. I just miss – we used to have a lot more disguised blitzes when we used to have Tim DeRoyter, and I miss that. I told Rob that two weeks ago. <laughs> he tells that to and me every I, week. 
I feel that deeply after watching the Oregon State game. I just don't think we like we used to have this defense that would come up and like smack you in the mouth. And I would go to the Oregon games and Oregon fans would get all nervous because they wouldn't know what was going on. And like that attitude seems to be missing. We tend to be a little bit more bend, don't break. But if you're going to give us an offense that's slightly dysfunctional. Like Arizona State. <laughs> We have much more potential of holding you to like 21 points and making it a game. But Rob, like jump on top of that if you'd like. Yeah. I, I mean, most of what Andy says is, is spot on. Um, I think the only couple of things I would add in terms of that, like just looking back at the Oregon state tape, uh, talking with some of the other writers at right for California, like when you see the Oregon state offensive line on Saturday, they're double teaming or triple teaming are nose tackles. Like there are nose tackles demand that type of attention. Um, but the edges on one-on-one opportunities just can't seem to win their battles. And that's, that's the most like concerning part about this is we're getting the, the matchups that we want on the outside, which is forcing one-on-ones. But if they're not winning it, then those double teams and triple teams that are in the middle are useless at that point. Um, so yeah, the pass rush is the, the biggest thing I, I think with if you're if they expect a, a younger, more inexperienced quarterback to start, I think they might send maybe even just three and drop everyone into coverage and just kind of shift around the coverage constantly just to maybe confuse um, a quarterback in his reads. Especially because in conference play so far, we have zero sacks. Hmm. So like that stat alone already kind of tells you like not a single stat, not a single sack in three. Uh, conference games. So, wow. um, who knows? Maybe that changes in Utah. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> but uh, as of right now, like, yeah, we have no pass rush. So we're going to have to be focused. And if you're not going to run on us, when our run defense is actually, I, you know, I think the like CFB graphs puts out like their matchup ratings. And I think for last week, Cal had graded out in a top 20 run defense. Um, so, like, if you're not going to do that and you're going to pass on us, like that's probably where you're going to find the success. But as the names that Andy pointed out, like I think Caleb Elarmsor is the one to watch. Jackson Sherman's status is also up for debate because he left the game mid-game uh, on Saturday, and we haven't had Wilcox um, on Wilcox's presser yet. That's tomorrow morning, so we'll probably find out more then. Uh, but as of right now, like if I were to pick a guy out, it's probably Caleb. He's great in the run game. Um, he's he's great in coverage. He's sneakily like he's not sneakily athletic, but you like don't think he's going to be able to make certain plays. But he absolutely does. And the coaching staff has raved about him just because of how much time he's put in in the offseason, talking to coaches and watching tape and all that. And he, they say he's probably the, the most improved over like the last 12 months. So looking beyond the game Saturday afternoon, College football landscape is changing drastically, especially for us in the Pac-12. <laughs> um, man, we—I I, I think we all just kind of want to hear your guys' breakdown of what's transpired. I mean, the Pac-12 dead after this year. Um, all that history and rivalries and everything is gone, and you guys are are now getting frequent flyer miles for uh, uh, for all of your uh, athletic uh, travel here. So. What what are the thoughts on the future ACC with over at Cal? Oh, Andy's got takes. So I'm gonna just leave this to him. 
<laughs> I, I'm going to separate it. So college realignment, conference realignment, I I hate it for so many reasons. At the end of the day, I bl- I said this. I try not to blame one individual or because there are so many things that went into the Pac-12's failure. It's a failure uh, across the board that really led to this moment. But ultimately, at the end of the day, who loses? I think we as fans lose. And and particularly Washington State and Oregon State are getting unfairly punished for a, a money grab. And it's really unfortunate to see how well those teams are doing and those programs are and know that they are going to be in a potentially substantially worse position going forward. I, I also will miss the tradition, the rivalries. I'm looking at certain games. USC is coming into town. I'm like, is this the last time we play USC at home? And for the foreseeable future, you know, I've spent my time going up to multiple games at Autzen and always loved that tradition, and it's gone. And now we're going to have to build a tradition flying across country to like Duke in North Carolina or <laughs> – Louisville or Virginia Tech. That's not like those programs. So part of me is looking at the ACC right now. I was like, get me over there immediately. It's way easier than the Pac-12's been. (laughs) But the the college football fan in me is is devastated because I think that I – you know, everyone looks at it and it's like, oh, yeah, the the logistics of it don't make any sense. And you're like, yeah – they don't. And um, the one thing I will say, as my opinion on this is always ever evolving, timing mattered here as any, as with anything, uh, almost as much as any single thing that happened. And I think what George, and I always say his name wrong, Rob knows this, Klivikov, Klivikov, whatever, George K., when he kept saying that the longer that the Pac-12 waited, the better deal they got. He was very much right. Had the teams not panicked or had Colorado, you know, there was a lot of pressure before the season to get the deal. If you put him right now to get a deal with this Pac-12, the deal would have been done. It would have been more than the Big 12. And ultimately, you probably stay, I, I don't, maybe some alignment, some realignment happens, but I think ultimately you, you kind of keep what you have. And so a lot of people look at George and place blame on George and all this, but from everything I've read, I honestly feel like he did a pretty damn good job. And I, I do find it very funny to just, un- this is the best the Pac-12 has been in at least a decade. And it couldn't have come at a worse time for their negotiation ability. And then, yeah, I mean, ACC, the the travel makes no sense. The conference will, will have zero, like, who cares about us flying out and playing Miami, even though that's a cool matchup for us. There's just isn't that that interest there that I think makes that something that I necessarily have to tune into. When we play Utah, when we play Oregon State, when we play Washington State, these are still programs that we have history with. When we play Utah, we always talk about the Jared Goff game because that was Sonny's best season. We went in there and then I think he threw like five interceptions. But that's history and that matters. And that's a reason for me to tune in. So for me to go play North Carolina, we've played them like one time or that I can remember. And that was 
you know, early season and cool, but there's no, nothing there that's actually drawing me to that game as a fan. And I also think that the ACC is also in a position where I'm not really sure how stable it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so if this offseason is Florida State and UNC and Clemson figuring out a way to get out of the grant of rights and then going into the SEC – where would you put the com- that conference then? Is it on par with the Big 12? Is it a little bit below the Big 12? How much is our f- actual future secured? I'm not so sure. But from a competition level and from Cal being able to actually win these games, I think we will have a unique advantage in the sense that I don't nobody's really seen us. They don't kind of, like you all know you're like, "Hey, Wilcox's been around. You guys have a good defense." I don't know if North Carolina has that <laughs> opinion of us. They're just like, who the hell are you guys? And what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a chain. Well, and I think we feel the same thing with going to the Big 12. I mean, you know, in the Pac-12, there's great destinations for fans to go to, right? And to, to go to these games. And, and we've, you know, we're only 12 years in this conference, but we, we still have more tradition with a lot of these Pac-12 teams you know, from playing previously and whatnot versus going to the middle of nowhere, Texas and, uh, and, uh, you know, Iowa state, I mean, it's just, it's, it's bonkers, you know, hopefully uh, cooler heads prevail and things get figured out in the future. And maybe, <laughs> maybe a lot of us can come back together at some point, but it's nuts. <laughs> it is. Uh, I definitely thank you guys for, for coming on. Um, where can Utah fans catch your stuff because i know a lot of fans like me we like to listen to learn about the opponents utah's going against so where can utah fans uh listen to your stuff yeah so for us uh, you can find us california golden bear casts um on twitter you can email us california golden bear cast at gmail.com if you look at our twitter page there's a link tree there to find spotify apple podcasts uh you name it it's probably on a service that you use in terms of our written stuff uh, it's all over at writeforcalifornia.com um, we just have football content going up all week long. So that's the place to read. And your podcast services uh, are, is the place to listen. Perfect. Rob, Andy, thank you so much for joining with us, guys. And hopefully it's a great game. And really, hopefully Utah gets more than 19 points against Cal. We'll see. <laughs> but we just hope it's a great game. And thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, sure, guys. No problem. Thanks, guys. It's It's been a fun 12 years. Yeah, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's been real. <laughs> I'll leave you guys with a stat. Wilcox has played in Salt Lake City, including this upcoming weekend, twice. And now in both cases, will have been playing his third quarterback that season in their first road start. Oh, wow. Well, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> a young quarterback making his first road start against uh, a Utah defense, that uh, that doesn't bode well. It, 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 this could be an ugly game. This probably will be a really ugly game. <laughs> this is this one's going to be for the sickos, and especially because it's at Rice Eccles, too. Like, yeah. yeah. The only th- the guys we're talking about, the only thing that's a saving grace is that it's not a 7 p.m. kick or a 5 p.m. kick. Yes. It's at noon. I- so thank God say the that. sun is still there. Pack twelve after dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for anyone's health. All right, well, thanks guys. Awesome right. guys, we appreciate it. All right, a big thank you to Rob and Andy from the California Golden Bear Cast uh, for jumping on. You know, I love when we're able to get 
you know, people that really know the teams that Utah goes up against. Uh, great breakdown from them. Appreciate their time. I know two weeks ago when we were, you know, looking at Oregon State, all three of us didn't have the best feelings for Utah against uh, Oregon State. Do you guys still kind of feel like that? Do you think that Utah has a better shot this week against Cal? Yeah, I mean, the big difference being just home and away, right? I mean, Utah is really tough at home. Rice Eccles is a clear advantage. It's a tough environment for, for teams to come in and play in. Um, especially if they've got you know a young team, young quarterback, it's a tough place to play. Um, and you know Utah, home and away, they're just not the same team. And I mean that was clear as day last week. And and now granted, that's to our advantage this week, right against Cal. So that helps. But Cal can score some points. Their defense isn't what it has been, but it's not horrible either. So. You know, Utah's going to have to play a clean game. They're going to have to do do more offensively than what they've done. Seven points in the last each of the last two games is not going to cut it offensively. So you, you've got to see some improvement. Hopefully, coming off a of bye week, we see that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely more confident just simply for the fact that it's at home. I would agree. I think um, definitely feeling more confident confident because it's a home. Um, the defense, the defense obviously is going to be a clear advantage. Um, I don't know Cal Cal is ranked second in the conference in rushing yards, but that that's a strength of Utah's defense. Um, but the offense has got to do to got got to figure out something, and hopefully they have in a week. Well, and especially if Cal's going to be starting a freshman uh, Mendoza against this defense. This is, this is really Utah's defense and Morgan Scally love themselves. Freshman quarterbacks, especially at yeah, home. Let, so that's a let's huge ask Dante Moore how it went for him a couple <laughs> weeks back. No, I mean, you can look at Dante Moore. Yeah. What you says got this week, but even, I mean, just looking years past, um, Jaden Daniels at ASU. I mean, uh, there's there's been plenty of young quarterbacks who have come in, and they just it's it's a tough place. It's a tough place to play. It's definitely a, an advantage for Utah, um, you know, and especially with the defense that that Morgan runs year in and year out. And this year's no exception. I mean, they're stacked, they're loaded, talented at an all time high, and you're seeing it on the on the field week in and week out. I think this Cal game is scheduled nicely for Utah. You know, after kind of getting their butts kicked against Oregon State. They had a week, uh, a bye week to kind of look their wounds, kind of come back together. Cal's a, a decent team, but I don't think that they are a top team in this conference. Giving up 380 yards uh, per game, you know, maybe can get some confidence in this Utah offense. I know we joke about how they're only scoring 19 points a game and kind of how ugly it is and how weak... We wish for the John Hayes uh, offensive days. But maybe this Cal team is what Utah needs, where it's not a complete cupcake, but it's not an Oregon, a USC, or a Washington right now. It'd be nice to see them get uh, an opportunity to maybe see some success and build their confidence moving forward. I mean, I mean Cal right now... They, they rank 10th in the conference in the pass defense. They're 6th in rushing defense. So it's, it's just not great, right? Where's our weakness? Passing the ball. Clear as day. So th- there, there is an opportunity there, right? Get Nate Johnson 
see what he's got, allow him to throw the ball down the field, kind of open things up a little bit more for him. Hopefully, hopefully they do that. Um, and I think there's going to be opportunities. There's a reason they're 10th in the conference right now um, in, in stopping the pass. So there'll be opportunities, but can he take advantage of it? Throwing at people's feet will not to be able to, that's not going to take advantage of it. So he's got to be accurate and, and Ludwig's got to put him in a situation where he can go out and be successful, um, and, and be, be given good opportunities. Um, from that same standpoint, I mean, our, our offensive line is, um, pass in pass protection. I believe there's only six teams in the entire country who, um, are worse than us in pass protection. That's a huge red flag. So, um, I mean, yeah, to your point, Cam, I think this is this is a good matchup. This this is going to go well for us, I think. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought we I thought the offense would be further along than they are right now. So it's hard to really say we're going to see a lot of improvement. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, listening to to Rob and Andy talk about the defensive line of Cal kind of being the 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 soft spot on their defense. Um, you know, if our offensive line can give who's ever playing quarterback some time to throw, that that that's gonna be hopefully lead to some success and some confidence building. On and the fact that Cal does not have a sack in conference play through three games, right there that 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 should help this offensive line, right? Now, Kyle Whittingham did say today that against Oregon State, the O-line sustained some injuries. Shocker. And uh, I think you're, you're going to see an O-line that probably a few new guys in there. Um, I don't know what positions those necessarily are. Is that at center? Um, or uh, um, is that Fano, right? I mean, left tackle could be could be uh, one, of those, one of those positions because he went down in that game. So... New guys, does that maybe help, or does that set this offensive line back even further? We're gonna we're gonna see, but there's a there's a lot of things offensively. I mean, really, you could go through each position group offensively and say we are very questionable. Are we seeing any progress? And I think after Saturday, we'll have some answers, um, and we'll know whether we've got a shot on this upcoming schedule or not. All right, before we wrap things up, let's go ahead and give our picks for this game. Uh, currently, as we're recording this, Utah is a 13.5-point favorite. Scott, we'll kick it over to you. Uh, what's your what's your score for this game? Well, I'm hopeful we get to double digits. I mean, I think I don't think it's going to be – I don't think either team's going to be all that successful scoring. I think you're going to see probably like a 17-10 type victory. I'm going to go 17-10 Utes. Right, what do you got? I am gonna go with the home team because we're at home, even though we don't know who's gonna be QB. Um, but I do. I I had two things. It's gonna be lower scoring. I do think we're gonna get over our average by one point. Utes are gonna score twenty and hold Cal to seventeen. Man, you Debbie Downers! I'm gonna have to build this up for this fan base and for this podcast. No. I think Utah gets a big victory. Oh, Nate Johnson, he he's he's got it figured out this off this this bye week. 
all of a sudden he's got it figured out. Well, and Andy Lugwood has it figured out. He knows now how to play, how to call plays for Nate Johnson to get him in positions to be successful, much like he's he did against, had, much like he did in the in eight minutes versus Baylor. They're gonna. He only had. He's only had since January to figure that out. They went back. They they watched the last two drives against Baylor, and it, it, it clicked. And they said, "Oh, I throw this playbook out. We got a new one here." Oh, Utah right. gets a Let's big win, it. twenty-four to ten. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Cam, you're so naive. That's it's cute. It's cute. That was a lot of buildup for a twenty-four to ten. All right, that will do it for this episode. That's a that's a that's a sad state of affairs when twenty four points is a big big week. <laughs> hey, when you go over your average, it's big. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Uteman underscore forever. And you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, our home, utahmanpodcast.com. And anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there. And hopefully Utah gets a much-needed win over Cal and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes will be till I die, Kai Yai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.